What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Up in Flames. As always, I'm your host, Mo Murphy. And today, the college football season is coming to end. The national championship will be played on Monday, January 9th. So a few team seasons has ended. And with that being said, there's some questions raising going into next season, going into spring practice. So there's a few few of those teams who played this past weekend who I kind of want to talk about, kind of want to discuss um, including my Ohio State Buckeyes. Just a couple questions about what the future looks like for these teams going forward because there are some questions, and maybe I have some answers. Maybe I have some insight. If I do talk about your team, hope I don't offend you. But we will get into all that right after this. Warning. You are now listening to Up in Flames. We up in Flames, yeah. We up in Flames, yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Let me hear it, Lambo. We up in flames. We up in flames. We up in flames. Yeah, we up in flames. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We up in flames. Yeah, yeah, uh, we up in flames. Hold on, uh, check this go. We up in flames. Yeah, uh, we up in. Uh, yeah, yeah, we up in flames. Yeah, Woo. we up in. Yeah, we up in flames. We up in flames. Once again, we are back with another episode of Up in Flames. I am Mo Murphy. I appreciate everybody for tuning in and listening. If you are a new listener, make sure you subscribe to Up in Flames on Substack at upinflamespod.substack.com. It'll be greatly appreciated. Type in your email. <laughs> Simple as that. You'll be subscribed, and it'll go straight to your email every time I drop an episode. It'll be much appreciated. Happy New Year to everyone. I hope you enjoyed the holidays. Hope you had a good New Year. This is 2023. First episode of Up in Flames on 2023. Um, I did my college football preview. If you want to hear my thoughts on the college football playoff review, um, after the college football semifinal playoff games were played, then make sure you go and check out Field Stormers Podcast. And make sure you go to fieldstormerspodcast.substack.com and also subscribe there. Myself and my wonderful co-host, Walker Bailey, give you a weekly college football review preview. Um, the national championship is coming up, so we'll be dropping that this weekend as well. He's been riding with TCU all season, so I don't see a reason why he wouldn't this year. But what I want to get into is a few team seasons have ended, right? Um, Ohio State. Michigan, USC, Tennessee, Alabama, you know, Clemson, LSU. Um, some ended on a high note, some ended on a low note. I won't talk about every single one of those teams that I listed, but just to give you in perspective, there's only two teams still standing um, that have college football games, and that is Georgia and TCU. Shout out to Georgia for the win, and shout out to TCU for the win. Um, even though Georgia beat my Buckeyes, hell of a game. And like I said, if you want to hear my thoughts, on that game and how it went and how I was feeling after, like I said, go to Phil Stormer's podcast. So we're going to get into it and we'll lead up and I'll kind of close out with Ohio state. I'm not going to beat the dead horse, but Ohio state does have some questions coming out of that game for what next year will look like. But I want to start with LSU. So LSU finishes the season 10 and four. They make the sec championship game. They blow out Purdue in absolute dominant fashion and what was Brian Kelly's first year at LSU. So overall, my opinion, I think LSU was a success. I really look at them as a three-loss team. 
I know they ended up losing to Texas A&M in rivalry week, but for me, I know that was a look-ahead game. They were a two-loss team. All the, the game wasn't even talked about when people were covering LSU, and I know LSU fans, and they don't care about that. At the end of the day, it was a loss, but it was a look-ahead game, as much of a look-ahead game could be. Having to go and play Texas A&M on the road in rivalry week, knowing that you had already secured your spot in the SEC championship game, and that's not LSU's biggest rivalry in the first place. It's a, it's a newborn rivalry since A&M has joined the SEC, but we know the Bama game matters. We know when LSU play Florida, that matters. Like There's other opponents within the conference that matter a lot more than when LSU plays Texas A&M. So I personally give them a pass on that loss. And so we'll look at them as 10-3 and three and a half because it was a look-ahead game. So they did get blown out in the SEC championship. They put up. 500-plus yards on Georgia's defense. Now, granted, a lot of that was coming from behind, but this was Brian Kelly's first year, and there was a lot of skepticism on what Brian Kelly's first year at LSU would look like. And I think if you told most LSU fans that they would come out of the season and they beat Alabama and they played in the SEC championship in Brian Kelly's first year, I think most of them would take it as a success, especially if you could have scratched the A&M loss and made that a win, then... They would have finished 11-3, and had a very solid season, right? So when I look at LSU moving forward, I think they're pretty fine. I know Kayshawn Boutte is leaving. Um, I know they have a few players heading to the NFL, just like every great team or every team full of talent. You always have to replace, I think. But the biggest thing is Jaden Daniels is coming back. Um, And they have a baller at wide receiver again. Like if there's there's a few schools who just replace their number one wide receiver, and they have one coming in as a freshman who his time to start shining is going to be his sophomore year, and then his breakout season is going to be his junior year, and he's going to be a first-round pick. LSU is one of those teams. And so when I look at LSU moving forward, I think they're going to be fine. I think, you know, I think they're going to build off of this success. However much you value this success, I think they're going to build off of it. This is going to be like the first year that Brian Kelly is going to have his recruiting class in, and I think him being the former coach at Notre Dame I think that means a lot because he has pool access and a reputation in an area that the SEC doesn't typically go recruit in very heavy because all the talent and the style of play is already in the South. So they don't hit the Midwest hard in order to get these recruits. And I think that's where Brian Kelly can win. I mean, Notre Dame has had baller after baller, especially in the trenches and especially on the offensive side of the ball under Brian Kelly, that offensive line. They've typically had an amazing offensive line. They have plenty of successful guys off the offensive line, go to the NFL draft, be first-round picks, you know, have long careers, currently are still playing. So I think that's where Brian Kelly has an opportunity to kind of be a team who can dominate in the trenches. LSU is a brand that's going to sell itself anyway. These Louisiana kids, it doesn't change that because Brian Kelly's the coach, this isn't some god-awful coach who's a project coach, a first-time head coach, who doesn't have a reputation, who doesn't have a past of winning. Whether you talk about Brian Kelly and he doesn't win the big ones, he wins a whole bunch of games at Notre Dame, but never the big ones against. It was tougher at Notre Dame. I think it's going to be a lot easier for him to compete year in and year out. And so I think with LSU, when you look at LSU, they'll be fine. They're one of the teams that, of a lot of these teams that I'm going to be talking about, or the few of these teams that I'm going to be talking about, they're a team who has the safest position right now because they are not in a transition period of their next quarterback. And I think that's the biggest thing is that Jaden Daniels is returning. 
We've seen it against Purdue with him and his number one wide receiver is going to look like. We've seen what that offense is going to look like. And I know they will be playing more talented teams and better defenses than Purdue. But you've seen the connections. You've seen what the offense can look like. And like I said, an emphasis on Brian Kelly finally, you know, once he took the job, a lot of people committed to LSU based on who the coach was prior. So you lose guys in the transfer portal. You lose some decommitments. You you basically get scraps and pieces. And so for Brian Kelly to get scraps and pieces of – the recruiting class and what was left that didn't enter the transfer portal and decide to take an opportunity elsewhere and make the sec championship. I look at LSU season as a success and I look, look looking forward. I think they're going to be right there in the dog fight. I think it's going to be the same teams. It's going to be LSU. It's going to be Alabama. It's going to be Georgia. Um, and it's going to be Tennessee. I think that's what I'm looking at for next year. And LSU is going to be right there in the mix and easily, I won't say easily. It's never easily if you're able to beat Bama, but they easily, that could be a game that we're building up to that could determine like it did last year, essentially could determine that side of the SEC ultimately to more than likely face Georgia. Don't forget about Ole Miss kind of collapsing the middle towards the end of the season. But at the same time, Ole Miss is still Ole Miss and they've been very competitive under Lane Kiffin. So don't forget about Ole Miss. Moving on, this is a team that, you know, I have no bias here in covering these teams, okay? Um, you know, the season's over. Whatever happened, it happened. Michigan. And there's only really one question that I have about Michigan, and it's Jim Harbaugh's future as a head coach for the Michigan Wolverines. There's been multiple, 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 multiple reports up at this point that Jim Harbaugh does want to get back into the NFL. And if he is offered one of these jobs that Jim Harbaugh will ultimately end up in the NFL. And so when I see, when I look at that, I'm looking at, I think Jim Harbaugh, this might be the time where he actually leaves. And I think if you're a Michigan fan, what you don't want to face is the fact that maybe right at this point, and I think last year, a lot of people thought that, but then, you know, they made it to the playoffs and then you're like, you can build off that. Don't worry. You went into the juggernaut against Georgia. But I think as, Jim Harbaugh, and I don't know Jim Harbaugh. Michigan fans don't get upset with me, but maybe he felt like he's capped out at Michigan. There comes a point in time where you start to feel like this might be the most success I get, and it could be a year-in and year-out success. So don't get me wrong. Michigan's success this year was everything Michigan could ask for. Now, granted, they did get the matchup that they probably preferred as opposed to having to play Georgia or having to rematch against Ohio State. Maybe they did want Ohio State over TCU because of the past two years of dominance. But I think coming into this game, being the favorite, expecting Michigan to get their rematch at Georgia um, in the national championship. But that's the biggest question. Like, they have the talent. They're young, essentially everywhere. Donovan Edwards will be coming back at running back. I think they could get a little bit better at the wide receiver position. They have their quarterback coming back. So they're one of the other teams who doesn't have a quarterback question of the teams that I'm going to talk about. So there's no transition period there where we're not going to prob more than likely we're not going to go into spring practice and be wondering is JJ McCarthy going to be the starter. But there would be one thing I would consider is if I'm Jim Harbaugh, I state we're going to assume he stays in Michigan and he doesn't shoot off to the NFL because it's a totally different conversation if he does decide to do that. As we know, with as open as the transfer portal is, once this window closes, another 45-day window will open come springtime after spring practice. And we know a lot of guys are there to play for Harbaugh. He sat in their living room and recruited them. And right now, I'm not sure who could possibly be the head coach. So I'm not going to get in that conversation because I don't know what candidates are really out there that 
you would want to replace Harbaugh with, who's really built a successful program in Michigan at this point. But I would consider grabbing a quarterback out of the transfer portal that could push J.J. McCarthy to fully become the quarterback that you expected him to be because he's shown flashes. But I think the outlier was the Ohio State game. Like, that was the, okay, he's finally came into his own. Instead of just realizing Ohio State's defense was a team that didn't play as aggressive as they should have been and also was just going to give up big play after big play. I mean, the throws J.J. McCarthy made, and it was two wide-open receivers, like, good for him. But at the same time, like, if he couldn't make those throws, you'd be concerned. He would have been all out on J.J. McCarthy. Anyway, Ohio State, he took what Ohio State's defense gave him, which was money in the bank. But at the same time, I would look in the transfer portal, and I'm not saying necessarily get one of those stars, but one of those guys who, like, if I get them and I get the most out of them, he could be really good. So now J.J. McCarthy comes into spring practice not being comfortable. I know they got a freshman coming in. I'm not high on freshman quarterbacks starting. Um, I know even if they're superstars, and we've seen it before and it's banked out, but I like the cycle of being able to cycle through quarterbacks. So when you come in as a freshman, you sit behind the guy who's a junior. He's going to go to the NFL. You start your sophomore year. You come into your own as a superstar. And in your superstar years, your junior year, you go to the NFL. Your junior year, you got a freshman sitting behind you. I look, I'm look. i more like that cycle instead of depending on my success of, a, of my team based on what a guy did. There's so many more factors coming out of high school. And I know these guys compete against each other in camps and things like that. And they play against a few of the players, but you don't play against the best in the country. And I know when you go to conference by conference, okay, you're in the Big Ten, you're not playing the SEC talent, but at the same time, all that Big Ten talent accumulated together is a thousand times better than more than likely what you faced week in and week out in on the football field on Friday night. And in those practices, there's no pads. It's a little more friendlier. It's still competition. When you're looking to be that, four, when you're that four-star corner, you're looking to be that five-star, you got to shut down that five-star wide receiver. But I would look for a guy who could push J.J. McCarthy where, like, if he slacks off in spring practice, if he slacks off in the offseason and doesn't get better, if he's not showing us signs that he can lead us to a national championship because that's essentially the only goal right now for Michigan, win the Big Ten, win the national championship. Their standards is now the same as Ohio State. They beat him for the past two years. So that would be my thing is I'm not looking to replace J.J. McCarthy, but I'm looking to push him to get that next level out of him. And if I don't get it and I do like this guy enough – there's a possibility if there's too much inconsistency early on when I can afford inconsistency and I'm still winning these games, then I, I can bench him, essentially. But I'm not looking for a DJ UK club, Nick, where I get the superstar guy coming in, all the pressures on him. He hasn't been performing because dude did perform in the biggest game against Ohio State. He did perform decent against uh, TCU. The st- stats were there. He made some crazy throws to what through what two pick sixes. So it is has to be a cause for concern when you're a Michigan fan is looking is like, is JJ McCarthy the guy that could take us to the promised land as opposed to, Oh, is it Harbaugh? And did he completely cap out, but he might value the talent and be like, I don't have the quarterback. I don't trust the freshman. And this just might be the most success I could have. And I do want an opportunity to go to the NFL. I also think being an NFL head coach, Seems a little less stressful than being a college football coach because in the offseason, you don't have to participate in the recruiting aspect. You kind of participate in the scouting aspect, but that's more sitting down. That's not traveling from family to family, trying to convince every family why their son should come here instead of go there. So that's kind of where I'm at with Michigan. But really, all of this comes down to how do the Jim Harbaugh rumors 
um, face out because obviously it'll kind of be a rebuild, but it may not be a tough rebuild if enough play, if they get the right coach and enough players want to stay, could just be one year with a slight fall off, maybe a three loss season, get it back. Kind of the LSU route, right? Like all the talents there, there's enough talent, maybe three losses, get bounced back. We still got the talent and I finally get my recruiting class in and it, it, and we could go from there. But I know that's not what Michigan wants to hear, but it is a possibility when rumors happen, they don't just vanish and we know these rumors have popped up almost every year for the past three years and with his success if he does maybe he just wants to go to the nfl he could feel like i've capped out this is the most successful i will be at the university of michigan is i could beat ohio state i could win the big 10 but i don't know if i have enough to face the sec or i don't know if i have to have i don't know if i have enough to face a talented team who comes in as underdogs because media plays a part in these games like when you're telling tcu they've been underdogs all year they go into the Big 12 and they lose, and we're talking about a two-loss team should get in over them because they didn't finish it off and go undefeated. So they've been the underdog all year, and that's a tough team to play, especially when every like Michigan has earned everything they got, but it came fairly easy. I mean, the only thing that you thought they were going to have to earn was against Ohio State, and you've seen how quickly they earned that win as well. So they earned everything on their road to playing in the college football uh, semifinals, but it was fairly easy, and I don't know – how much you would consider Michigan was challenged this year. And it's not even about the strength of schedule. It's literally just how dominant they were over everybody, including Ohio State. They never really were challenged and definitely never got punched in the mouth early on like TCU did. They didn't have to come back like that. They were in a dogfight against Illinois, dogfight in the first half against Penn State, but statistically dominated that game. So you expected it to go the way it did in the second half. Another team, USC, the University of Southern California, Trojans you got a superstar quarterback you got a superstar head coach you got superstar offense playmakers everywhere offensive line held up pretty good Caleb Williams wasn't really under duress I have one problem with USC moving forward and it has to be a consideration it's not players on the field they got them everywhere they know how to hit the transfer portal USC is still a big brand it's nothing in this second window when guys don't necessarily get the starting job because there's a dog over there that they're competing with, nothing for USC to sell Southern California and sunny Los Angeles. So recruiting's not a problem. Coaching's not a problem. Quarterback damn sure ain't a problem. You're going to have the best quarterback in the country, period. Like maybe Drake may make a push, maybe somebody, you know, in college football, there's always that guy that we're not talking about. But when it comes to NFL, we're going to be like tanking for Caleb Williams. I mean, and in the game against Tulane, told me everything. It, it confirmed everything I thought about USC, and it told me everything, my concerns about USC. Defensively, they're not good. And you have, what, one more year in the Pac-12? That's also some. they got a little bit farther out in the future to think about that the way they play defense, that's not going to cut it. And so I'm big on don't miss, don't mix business with pleasure. And that's essentially what Lincoln Riley has done is he, he has mixed business of being a head football coach and putting the best product on the field on both sides of the ball, managing the talent and managing the production from the coaching staff down. And I say that with pleasure because we know he brought his defensive coordinator from Oklahoma, Alex Grinch, and we know he's he is what he is. You look at Oklahoma, you look at USC, they're literally the same team in two different conferences. And that ball works in the Big 12. The Pac-12 is a little 
it's still West Coast football, so there's still a lot of finesse. But I think there's a little more defense played than in the Big 12. I mean, we know the Big 12 has always been nothing but track meets. We know that. Uh, we've understood that it's just it's been that way for a couple decades now. I mean, in the 2000s, Big 12 is track meets, high scoring games, a lot of offense, no defense. Pac-12, I think there's a little bit. There's still those track meets. Oregon plays USC. I don't really expect it to be a defensive game, but there's a little more defense played. And then USC is going to be going to the Big Ten. There's a lot of defense played. I mean, so much to the point Big Ten can sometimes be, if you're not watching Michigan and you're not watching Ohio State, and Penn State can be in that conversation in every couple of years. Michigan State will be in that conversation. But if you're not watching one of those three teams, essentially sometimes it gets watered down and they get boring to watch because – Nobody wants to watch these low-scoring games. But USC has to understand that they could come to the Big Ten and be as impactful as Ohio State and be as impactful as Michigan on the offensive side of the ball and could win the conference. Very well could. But, 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 if you are trying to come to the conference and be Ohio State, then I would look at the past two years and say, that's not, I can't mimic that perfectly. Because it hasn't won them the Big Ten Championship the past two years. The the formula at Ohio State is they're not tough enough. Kind of the same with USC. They can score a bunch of points. Kind of the same with USC. They got the players everywhere. They're recruiting really well, but they're not really performing. Kind of the same at USC. Ohio State had to find a new defensive coordinator throughout the season until the two biggest games, which was against Michigan and against Georgia. The defense looked adequate. It looked a lot better with the same personnel but it still looks like they got to get back to the drawing board. And so we'll get into them in a second. USC is pretty much the same way. And so if a lot of these teams, Penn State's really young and could be really good for the next few years, Michigan State is always every two to three years, they're right there in the conversation until they either drop to Michigan or drop to Ohio State. That kind of determines whether they're going to play for a Big Ten championship. Um, And then you're doing away with the East and West when USC and UCLA comes over here. So there is going to be no, I benefit on being the side with Wisconsin and Iowa and Minnesota. You're not going to benefit from that anymore. It's going to be the 14 or 16 teams, however many are going to be in the conference at the time. It's going to be that, and it's going to be number one and number two in the standing is going to be playing each other. So it's not going to be about East versus West. It's not going to be about, well, I'm the best team over here. I got three losses, but I'm better than Wisconsin and Iowa and Illinois. It's not going to be like that anymore. So that's something I think Alex Grinch has to go. I mean, you saw it when they were really good. You had two Heisman quarterbacks and he was the defensive coordinator. But when you went against those big time teams, you couldn't stop anybody. And then you come to USC and it is essentially the same thing. USC's defense this year was one of the best defenses to cause turnovers. But the problem was when they weren't causing turnovers, they were getting burned. Time after time after time again. And I'm looking at the defensive coordinator. I can't necessarily look at the personnel because Oklahoma has had some adequate players from that from those defenses go and be good in the NFL. It's not a personnel question. It's a philosophy question in my eyes, and it's the defensive coordinator. No way does a coordinator go from one spot to the other, and the defense looks exactly the same, and we're blaming it on players in if it's on the players because the right personnel are there, then you blame it on the coach. It all comes back to the coach for recruiting. It's not like they don't have good players on that side of the ball. They just, if they're not causing turnovers, that's when USC was elite, was when they caused turnovers. But you watch in the game against Tulane, quarterback didn't throw a pick. Caleb Williams had what, 500 yards of offense? Damn near 500 yards of offense and doesn't win the game? 
That's insane. And then they gave up big plays at the end. They blow a lead. You can always blame the offense for not doing getting the job done. Maybe Lincoln Riley should have ran the ball a little more, ran time off the clock. That's fine. But when the offense did what they did. Caleb Williams came out there and balled. He did what he was supposed to do. The receivers did what they were supposed to do. Like when you look at the offensive numbers, you're like, that team's supposed to win that game. But when you can't stop a fly and then you put all the pressure on the offense late in the game that if they don't make a play, that defense has to go back out there because now it changes the whole mental of the offense. Now Caleb Williams feels like instead of taking the three or four yards, I might have to throw this first down because we need this because our defense can't stop anybody. So that's another thing that I'm looking at, but I just think it comes down to Alex Grinch got to go. I think Lincoln Riley has to give up that personal friendship relationship that he has with him and look for a new defensive coordinator. Maybe you you let him you evaluate him one more year, but going into the Big Ten, if it looks a lot the same, you're gonna have to change philosophy because it's a lot different. It's all nice playing in the Oregon's and in in California, and I know Washington gets cold and rainy, but it's all nice when you're playing in that nice West Coast weather. But it changes when you go to the Big Ten and you're playing in the Midwest and it's 25 degrees and snowing, you know, at Penn State and it's a whiteout. Um, it's different playing in Columbus at 32 degrees outside. It's different playing in Ann Arbor, which we know is bound to snow for one or two games at least late in November. And those games is what separates playoff teams, even though we'll be in a 12-team playoffs. But those games late in November is what separates, you know, the cream of the crop from the rest of college football. One more team I'm going to get into is obviously my Ohio State Buckeyes. And for me... I think if you're a Buckeyes fan, obviously the season's over. And for all of these teams, the season is over. So you can mop, mop, mope around and kind of, you know, you can mope around and uh, what could have been, but that's what it was. And so now you got to be like, what could it be? You now have to have that mentality. The the moping around is done and over with. A lot of conversations are going to happen. Guys are hitting the portal. We got our signing class. They're going to be jumping on campus here next week. Um, So you have to be looking at Ohio State and what could be. And that's what we did when we watched the Rose Bowl, right? We're like, oh, what could have been or what it could be next year watching C.J. Stroud and Smith and Jigba and Marvin Harrison Jr. Sling it all around in the Rose Bowl. We didn't get that opportunity because now we're playing for a national championship. Now all our starters were playing. Now all the guys who could be going to the NFL were out there on the field competing, trying to go to a national championship. But the biggest question with Ohio State is the quarterback. It's the quarterback. We don't know who the quarterback's going to be. Um, CJ, in this, we just went through this last year in the spring when we didn't know who was going to win out of CJ Stroud or Kyle McCord. And we weren't sure because. CJ Stroud didn't have the five stars next to his name. So everybody questions how good this guy can really be. I think he's underappreciated. I think he'll leave at Ohio state underappreciated, but I also think he gained some popularity points by having the performance that he did in Georgia just would have been a lot better for him if he got the win, but I love CJ Stroud and there could be a point. I'm at the point where maybe we're going to miss CJ Stroud. You, you complain about him all year and then he gives us that performance against Georgia. So we know that's in there. Um, but the quarterback position is obviously the biggest question. And it's for the simple fact, it seems like it's going to be between Kyle McCord and Devin Brown. Um, I've been kind of pitching, maybe we should look in the transfer portal. There's still a few adequate quarterbacks that you could bring in. But it, it seems like it's going to be between Kyle McCord and Devin Brown. Don't know much about Devin Brown. I know he was a highly touted recruit coming out of high school. But once you sit, you don't see much. Um you got some spring tape on him. He didn't really play this year. 
And then you got Lincoln Kleinholz, who he's a four-star quarterback, just committed to Ohio State, going through his All-American stuff right now in high school, practicing. You're seeing all the plays. Great way for Ohio State fans to fall in love with a high school kid while still in high school and pitch. Like I said, and this goes back, I am not big on freshmen starting only because Ohio State has pretty much had this cycle and pretty much Bama has had this cycle. Clemson has had this cycle. Uh, LSU has essentially had the cycle. They always had a projected guy. Just maybe the guy didn't turn out to be as good as you thought, but they had a cycle. They had a plan with quarterbacks. All these top teams had a plan with quarterbacks. And even Ohio State, when we moved on from Dwayne Haskins, it was like, we're bringing in Justin Fields, but it seems like that was the plan. Like, okay, this guy, as soon as he became available, that became the plan. He was already, he already was coming into his sophomore year. So it doesn't break the cycle. Essentially you're new at Ohio state, but a guy that that talented easily caught up into the offense. And so that's going to be the biggest question for the next, what, two months, three months uh, until the spring practice in the spring game in March. And I still don't like to fall in love with a quarterback then, even though I did fall in love with CJ Stroud as a quarterback in that spring game and felt like he was the guy who was going to get the job, what he ultimately did. And it's going to be between Kyle McCord and Devin Brown. That's what it seems like. That's what it's going to be. I don't know how excited to be. Um, you know, the flashes of Kyle McCord, he comes in and hands the ball off. Ryan Day isn't big on in blowout showing what I got in the trophy case, if he even has something in the trophy case. That's another thing is maybe if he had something in the trophy case, he would let the fans like, okay, this is blowout. It's not to disrespect the team. We took all our starters out. We're on our second string quarterback. Like we still have to get reps and you never know. You always got to prepare. Well, if CJ Stroud had went down and Kyle McCord didn't, he had the adequate reps in the fourth quarter to be able to throw the ball and get used to the offense a little bit, even though it won't be with the starters. But we didn't do that. We hand the ball off. We just run the clock out, basically. And part of me thinks it could be because he's hiding what's in the trophy case, but it could be positive or it could be negative. And so we will see. We will hear about it all throughout the reporters. That's going to be the biggest thing they're going to be reporting on is where we're leaning. Those are going to be the biggest questions come like March that Ryan Day is going to have to answer and name a starter, probably leaning into the summertime, kind of like he did basically up until training camp preseason to really name a starter and get everybody kind of juices flowing about who we're looking forward to to lead the Ohio State Buckeyes. If I had to take a guess, I really would say it'd be Devin Brown. Um, Ohio State fans like it or not. I would say Devin Brown for the simple fact, like Kyle McCord's already lost one quarterback battle. Devin Brown came in feeling like he would eventually, like he came in with the, not understanding, but the feeling that I could come in and take over after CJ Stroud leaves. And so for me, that's an evaluation of Devin Brown going to Ohio State, looking at Kyle McCord, and it was like, I know this is Stroud's job locked, and he's going to be the starter going into his junior year, but I'm looking at Kyle McCord like, and I know he didn't win the backup job, but I don't think that was ever in the plan for him to win the backup job because if he becomes the backup as a freshman, then that says a lot about Kyle McCord that sends Kyle McCord to the transfer portal and now there will be no quarterback competition. Basically, you'd be banking on Devin Brown and Lincoln Kleinholz would be your quarterbacks, or you have to hit the transfer portal. You may not like all the options that are there. So I think that was a way. But to me, with Devin Brown feeling like he could come in and take over for C.J. Stroud, he was evaluating how good he is compared to 
Kyle McCord, which if that's the case, and a lot of times that is the case, it's always competition. You transfer somewhere and you look at what they or you 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 accept the scholarship somewhere. You look at what they got and you predict your future. You don't go there if they had three quarterbacks that you know flat out are better than you. And I just want to dawn the Ohio State. No, you want to play. And so you'll be like, man, the way that quarterback room is loaded, I'm going to go here. You won't say that out loud. But when you look and you're like, yeah, I think there's something there. I know Stroud's locked in for a year, but he's going to go to the NFL. And now it's my time. And so I'm going to go with Devin Devin Brown to win the quarterback battle. And I think he'll be the starting quarterback, you know, at Ohio State. So Ohio State fans start watching film on Lincoln Klein holes and Devin Brown and Kyle McCord and start watching their highlight tapes and figure out who you love from coming out of high school. But I, if I had to take a guess because we haven't hit the transfer portal yet, and I'm not sure there's somebody that we love good enough to, I would say Devin Brown will probably be the leader of the Buckeyes. Um, but the Kyle McCord and Marvin Harrison Jr., former teammates in high school is his high school quarterback, superstar wide receiver, have some implements on the decision. You've seen how effective he was this year. Could have won us the playoff game. Ended up getting hurt. You see how much different the offense was. So I think he's created enough juice where, you know, he could make Kyle McCord look good enough. Um, he could request to be his receiver in the spring game so that he knows at the end of the day, if we see a Kyle McCord, Marvin Harrison Jr. connection that looks just as good, if not better than Stroud and Marvin Harrison Jr., then you're going to get excited and you're going to be all out on Devin Brown. So there's a lot of factors that could shake it that way. But if I had to pick, it's not pick based on what I know on talent. It's just the way his attitude was, I think he evaluated himself. And I do have questions about how they handled McCord. And it's not his coaching decision. It's just like, was he afraid? Was he hiding what's in the trophy case? Or was he afraid to show off? Because it wasn't the gold trophy. It was the bronze. And Devin Brown just wasn't ready yet. And I'm not just going to create. You don't want to create controversy during the season. And had Devin Brown came in and there was no Kyle McCord on the injury report, everybody would have already been down and out because we're like, oh, Kyle McCord's out. He's going to transfer, so it's protected some players too. And then if he doesn't win the quarterback battle, he can transfer after that. We'll have a freshman as a backup. So those are a few teams. Um, I'm going to start talking about teams, you know, four to five teams each week, talking college football. I'm also about to get back, really get back into the NBA grind. I've been so focused on college football and even like college football is taking my mind this year. Like I, I dove so deep into it. Um, kind of even missed out on really covering the NFL, but all that's going to change. This is a new year. I've gathered how I'm going to be able to balance everything. And so it's just going to be giving you more content, more shows. So I appreciate everybody for tuning in. I appreciate everybody for listening. This won't be the last you hear of me. Um, if you do, if you are a fan and you want me to talk about your team and where I see y'all going from there, now that your team season is over and what next year could look like, or give you some insight on my, how I look at it. Let me know, uh, drop a comment, DM me on Twitter at Mo underscore Chiefs 15, DM me on Instagram at Upper Flames Pod. If you would like for me to cover your team, and I definitely will, will, will come in and do that for you, give you a shout out. And even if I'm covering your team, you'd like to come in and just talk five to 10 minutes about your team and what you're looking at in the future. Definitely please let me know. So I appreciate everybody for tuning in. I appreciate everybody for listening. Go subscribe to Up in Flames at upperflamespod.substack.com. And on that note, Up in Flames is.